It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 373 for December 22nd, 2013. This week, a huge data breach at Target. For those who need just a little 4G, a solution. A White House panel recommends major NSA changes. And in short circuits, Facebook decides to be even more annoying. Delta says passengers won't be allowed to use phones during flight. A car that runs on hydrogen. And an example that shows not all internet crooks are evil geniuses. A week ago, Target knew that its servers had been breached and that information about perhaps 40 million shoppers had fallen into the hands of thieves. The company failed to make that information public for several days. As one disgruntled shopper put it, shop Target and become a Target. Maybe Target needs to review its crisis response procedures. Here's the information you need. If you used a credit or debit card at any Target store between Thanksgiving and the 15th of December, you need to change your PIN on debit cards or obtain a new credit card from your financial institution. An important note here, transactions at Target.com, the online store, were apparently not compromised. Only transactions made at brick-and-mortar stores. The hackers did it by compromising registers inside nearly 2,000 Target stores in the U.S. and Canada. As people used their cards to make purchases, the crooks were able to grab every bit of information. Security analyst Brian Krebs broke the story. The thieves now have the information they need to manufacture 40 million credit and debit cards and the credentials they'd need to withdraw cash from ATMs. If you want to contact Target concerning the breach and precautionary steps you should take, call them at 866-852-8680. At the very least, it would seem prudent to contact your financial institution immediately and have your current card canceled. December seemed a good time to have a hot spot. After all, the temperature was hovering around 10, and I thought a little warmth would be helpful. And I realized hot spots don't really emit any heat, but they sure can be handy. I'm one of those strange people who feels no need to be connected to the internet every moment of the day. Maybe you are too. But I have to admit that being able to connect occasionally when I'm not near a Wi-Fi access point sure would be useful. As it turns out, several companies provide devices that establish your own personal Wi-Fi hotspot via a connection to a cellular network. People who have smartphones already have this technology built in, and although having built-in internet access would be nice, I find that the cost of my cellular telephone service, about $10 a month on a pay-as-you-go plan, is even nicer. The lowest-cost cellular data plans are usually at least $40, and they provide far more data than I'd actually need. 
Maybe someday a cellular provider will create a plan that charges nothing other than the basic voice rate on days that the user doesn't need the phone for internet access, and then adds a daily fee, maybe three or four bucks, for service on any day that the phone is used for internet access. And perhaps that makes too much sense from the consumer's point of view for any cellular provider to even consider it. So, since that's probably not going to happen, I decided to sign up for a Net Zero mobile broadband account. The first consideration, if you want to do that, has to be whether service exists in your area. Net Zero will switch to another broadband service provider within the next year, one that will provide better coverage. For now, though, you'll be on the Clear network. Perhaps it's called that because so much of the United States map is clear of any indication that Clear even exists. If you're in a big city, you're probably okay. Probably. Columbus, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Harrisburg are among the cities where Clear has coverage. On the other hand, Toledo, Detroit, New Orleans, and several entire states are completely without any coverage from Clear. I stuck a couple of images on the TechBiter Worldwide website that shows even within cities that do have coverage, there are often some fairly big Clear spots. But the good news is that improvements are coming. Scott Matulis at NetZero's parent company, United Online, says we've signed a five-year agreement with Sprint to offer NetZero mobile broadband service via Sprint's 4G LTE and 3G networks. And he says that service will launch in 2014. Sprint's 4G service in central Ohio has been a little slow to be rolled out, but it is beginning to cover the city, and Sprint has far better coverage throughout the country. Now, Net Zero actually makes two devices, a USB stick that can be used with laptops and netbooks. I wanted to use the service with a handheld tablet that doesn't have a USB port, so I needed the Net Zero 4G hotspot. The NetZero device connects to the cellular service and then provides a local password-protected Wi-Fi signal that can be used by up to eight devices. The USB stick costs 50 bucks. The hotspot is $100, but NetZero seems to have an ongoing half-price sale for anybody who signs up for a program that costs at least $20 a month. The data plans range from free to $50 a month. The free plan requires that you purchase one of the devices, of course, and at full price, and it's good only for a year. After that, you do have to sign up for one of the paid programs. And during that year, it's good for only 200 megabytes of data per month. There's a plan at $10. It still requires that you buy the device at full price, but it provides 500 megabytes of data per month. The $20 plan includes 2 gigabytes of data, for $35, the limit is 4 gigabytes, and 8 gigabytes is the limit at 50. All of the paid plans have recently doubled their capacities. The hotspot is relatively large. It's about 3.5 inches square and more than half an inch thick. When powered on, the device displays its identifier and password. Displaying the password might be handy, but it sure seems to be a bad idea from a security standpoint. If you lose the device, anybody who finds it can use it. NetZero provides a web-based control panel. You can log on there and see how much data you've used, whether you're set to what is called light speed or warp speed. Light speed is slower, warp speed is faster. By default, plans that cost $20 or more per month are set at warp speed. Choosing light speed caps downloads at 1 megabit per second, 
warp speed allows 10 megabits per second. There's also a panel that shows the device's MAC address and its serial number. MAC stands for Media Access Control, and each MAC address is unique. If you need to do a lot of work on the internet when you're mobile, you'll probably be better off with a traditional cellular plan that includes a data option for your phone. But if your needs are relatively modest, 2 gigabytes per month or less, the Net Zero hotspot seems to be a really good choice. For those who need more, take a look at plans such as those from Virgin Mobile, which has unlimited data plans at $50 a month. That's on top of your cellular phone service, though. I'm not going to rate this device just yet because I've owned it only for a couple of weeks. So far, it seems to work as expected, and when Sprint becomes the network provider next year, I would expect it to work even better. It does seem to chew up a bit of bandwidth as the hotspot chats with the network to maintain its connection. In an ideal world, network administration chatter wouldn't count against the user's bandwidth. You may have noticed, though, we don't seem to live in an ideal world. That sound you heard midweek was the other shoe dropping in Washington. Presidential advisors have told President Obama that it's time to stop the National Security Agency's policy of collecting information about phone calls placed by all Americans and to restrict future snooping to instances where they have obtained a court order. Not that a court order is particularly difficult to obtain. The White House made the 300-page report available this week. In the report, five intelligence and legal experts also addressed the issue of spying on the leaders of foreign countries. The report said that such spying needs to be considered in light of its potential for causing diplomatic problems. The president ordered the report following revelations by former NSA security contractor Edward Snowden. The president must decide which communications should be monitored, the report said, and the decision cannot be left to the intelligence agencies. Now, the report even goes as far as to suggest that the Privacy Act of 1974 should apply to foreigners just as it applies to American citizens. The report seems to be a top-to-bottom condemnation of NSA operations. The NSA should stop secretly collecting flaws in common computer programs and using them to create cyber attacks, the report says. And that's because the technique undermines confidence in American products. These kinds of flaws were essential in the cyber attacks that the United States and Israel launched against Iran. And the experts say the NSA should stop trying to undermine encryption standards that are commonly used by businesses. The report says the NSA should no longer have the authority to conduct many of its current operations without review by the President, Congress, or the courts. Earlier in the week, a federal court decision declared the bulk collection of telephone data is almost certainly unconstitutional. Some of the report's recommendations could be put into effect by the president, but others would require legislation from Congress. Given the current state of Congress, it's unlikely that any changes that require legislation will be enacted anytime soon. As for the president, he's already indicated that some of the report's recommendations will simply be ignored. For example, splitting command of the NSA, the surveillance unit, from the United States Cyber Command, the Cyber Warfare Unit.
In short circuits, Facebook seems to want to annoy even more users. Tell me, how excited would you be about the prospect of finding a video in your Facebook news stream? A video that starts playing automatically. Well, Facebook thinks that's a really good idea. So, starting this week, some lucky Facebook users saw the future of Facebook. At least Facebook has decided to mute the videos unless the user clicks it. But mobile users might be concerned more about bandwidth, and all users might be annoyed by the motion. This video thing isn't unexpected, but it is unwelcome. Facebook announced months ago that it planned to try several video options. It's been possible to post videos previously, but until now they've played only when the user wants them to play. Now you won't have a choice. Facebook isn't talking about how many coins it'll need to allow advertisers to inflict this feature on users, but the general expectation is that advertisers will pay about a million dollars a day for a 15-second commercial. The test ad, the one you might see, is for the soon-to-be-released film Divergent. CEO Mark Zuckerberg apparently is worried that these videos could annoy mobile users if they consume too much bandwidth on mobile devices. That, so the story goes, is why the audio won't play automatically. Maybe Zuckerberg should ask a Facebook network engineer to explain the differences between the large amount of bandwidth video needs and the tiny amount of bandwidth audio needs? Or maybe he already did. The video ads will run on desktop systems, but they won't play automatically on smartphones or tablets unless they're connected via Wi-Fi. But if you have a portable device that uses the cellular network, but then connects your device by Wi-Fi, it's going to look like it's on Wi-Fi too, and it's going to chew up your cellular data plan. The Federal Communications Commission may well be reconsidering rules against making cell phone calls on airplanes, but one airline has already stepped forward to say, not on our planes. That airline is Delta. Current FCC and FAA rules prohibit voice calls on planes, but the FAA recently relaxed other rules on the use of electronic devices, and there are indications that the FCC will allow the use of cell phones during flights, subject to approval by each airline. Flight attendants oppose the use of cell phones when planes are in the air, and Delta CEO Richard Anderson sent a memo to employees saying that the airline will not allow cell phones or internet-based voice communications on Delta's flights or those operated by its regional carriers. Anderson says that customer research shows that frequent flyers say voice calls would be unwelcome, and most customers who participated in a 2012 survey said the ability to make voice calls would make their experience worse. Are you ready for a car that runs on hydrogen? Now, this isn't typical fare for TechBiter Worldwide, but it is all about technology, and it's important. What if the cars we drive could run on a fuel that creates no harmful emissions? And what if that fuel cost about the same as gasoline? Welcome to the world of hydrogen fuel cell cars. This week, three automakers unveiled hydrogen fuel cell vehicles that are expected to be in dealers' showrooms as early as next year. Hyundai, Toyota, 
and Honda all expect to make these vehicles available in the near future. Hyundai will be first. Their Tucson small SUV will be available for lease next spring. Toyota will have a fuel cell car by 2016 in the U.S. And Honda is shooting for 2015. Hydrogen-powered vehicles don't have the range restrictions of electric cars, but refueling stations are virtually non-existent, and the cars are very expensive to build. Still, the fuel prices are now in range. The cars use a chemical process that essentially tears electrons from inside the hydrogen molecule to generate electricity, and it's electricity that runs the car. The hydrogen isn't burned, so there's no pollution, just water and heat. The cars would have a tailpipe, the only emission would be water vapor. Some internet crooks do seem to be evil geniuses, but they're not all geniuses. People who want you to send them advance payments so that they can ship your $10 million from a long-lost relative in Nigeria depend on their marks being stupid. And that's one of the reasons messages about amazing wealth come from one of the poorest nations on Earth. But those who want to plant a virus on your computer? Those folks need to reach the widest possible audience, and that means messages have to be more believable. So it amuses me when I find one that is so transparently phony. I receive a fair number of messages from Adobe, so it wasn't too surprising to see a message about a license key from Adobe.com. But then I noticed that it's not really Adobe.com, it's Adobe's, with an S at the end, dot com. Alarm bells started to ring. Hello, the message said. Thank you for buying Adobe InDesign CS4 software. Your Adobe license key is in attached document below. Yeah, they did leave out the word the in there. Well, a message had slipped past MailWasher Pro because it doesn't contain anything that clearly identifies it as a fraudulent message, but that extra S in the domain name and the reference to the antique CS4 version clearly identified it as a fraud. CS4 was followed by CS5, CS5.5, CS6, and now Creative Cloud. Adobe hasn't sold CS4 for years. Rather than delete the message from the server, I thought I'd go ahead and download it just to see what the game was, but that was foiled by a vast antivirus. The antivirus program recognized the attachment as a malware installer and deleted it, but it provided more evidence that not all crooks out there are intelligent. Installation keys are invariably text files, and they never carry an .exe extension. But what's even more ludicrous is the crook's choice of a file name, thunderbird.exe. Wouldn't it have been more believable with a name such as Adobe CS4 EXE? Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.